This week's parsha is Parshas Vayera. And in Parshas Vayera, the Torah tells us that Avram Avinu addresses his, angel, his angels, his archim. And he says as follows, Va'ekha paslechem. And I will go and I will take paslechem, some bread, v'sadu libchem acher taveru, and then you'll eat, and then you will leave. And then, of course, the Torah proceeds to tell us all of the tremendous hachnasus archem that Avram Avinu extends to the archem. He goes and brings them all types of meat and uh, all other delicacies, as Chazal point out. But there is one word that I want to dwell on for a bit this morning, and that is the word ve'ekha. When Avram Avinu tells them that I will go and take paslechem, that's a strange verb, because if I'm telling my guests that I'm going to bring them bread, I would say ve'etein paslechem, and I will give to you paslechem. The Lashon of ve'ekha paslechem implies that he's taking something. This is a question that bothered the Chassam Seifer. And the Chassam Seifer says a beautiful pshat. The Chassam Seifer's pshat is that we know the Gemara in Kedushin. The Gemara in Kedushin on Dav Zayin Amenalev says that if a woman says to a man, Heilech mona, take this money, v'akadesh anilach, and I will then be married to you. Mikudeshes. Now we know normally a man is the one that gives the ring to the woman. And that's what makes her married to him, the Kesef Kedushin. But the Gemara says that it seems that a woman could also do the opposite. The woman could say to the man, take this ring, and if you take this ring, I will marry, I will be married to you. And the Gemara surprisingly says that it's Mikudeshes. And then the Gemara explains that it's not in all cases. What's happening over here is that we're talking specifically about an Adam Chashuv. We're talking about a very important VIP that she is asking him to receive something, and if he takes it from her, she will be married to him. And there's actually a Shavius in that. There is something of worth to her by him taking it, and therefore that's why she's Mekudeshes, because she's actually getting something for it. What is she getting? She's giving. What's she getting? Because with that pleasure, that this very important person agrees to take a present from her, this man, or this woman rather, will commit to marrying her herself to him. So instead of her getting actual money, she's getting pleasure in a different way. Because sometimes when you are able to give something to somebody, it's tantamount to receiving something. If I give something to you and you're a very hush of a person who normally doesn't take anything from anyone, and you agree to take something from me, then that's very valuable. That's a very uh, quantifiable return that I get because you're actually agreeing to receive a present from me that has value and worth to me. The Chassam Seifer says that what comes out of this Gemara is 
that in certain cases, when you are able to give something to somebody, it's in effect a receiving that you're getting from it. Sometimes I get hana by the fact that I give. And what he says is that Avram Avinu was such a brilliant machnes Eirach that he was basically saying to his guests, please take the, the bread that I will be uh, going to get you. And when you take the bread that I give you, it's as if I am receiving hana from it. By you taking the bread and eating from my home, from my kitchen, from getting pleasure from me, that in fact will be the equivalent of me getting from you something. I will be taking hana if you would only receive from me my bread. I wanted to say perhaps a different shot to explain Va'ekha Paslacham, this Lashanov that I will take. A little different from the Chasam Seifer. There is a Medrash, a beautiful Medrash in Bereshis Rabbah, Perak Memtes, Medrash Dalad. And the Medrash there says that Avram Avinu, as we know, used to be Makabal, the Avram and the Shavim, the people that were the wayfarers, the people that were going back and forth on the roads, all those sojourners. He would welcome them and greet them into his tent, that we all know. This we might not know. The Medrash says that when they would be eating and drinking, and they would now be like at the end of the meal. Amr Lahem, Avram Avinu says to them, Baruchu, it's time now for you to bench. Now he's talking, who is he talking to? He's talking to people that were pagans, he says, now you have to bless God. So they said to him, what should we say? Amr Lehi, Avram Avinu responded, Imru Baruch Kel Elyain Shachal Nemishalai. Similar Lashon like we have in Zimun. Blessed is God that we have eaten from Him. We have gotten Hana, we have eaten from Hakadish Baruchu. Now, in the Kabbalah, if they said, okay, we will do what you're asking, Avram Avinu, and we will bench, and we will say this, if they would do that, they would finish up their meal, and they'd go on their way. Everything would be fine. However, and if they would say, no, you got the wrong guys over, we're atheists, we're agnostics, we're, uh, we're not blessing your God. Bad move. Because then what Avram Avinu would do was have Amr lay, fine, no problem, you don't have to bench, but have Madalach, give me what you owe me. The Amr Ma'eslach what, what what exactly do we owe you? They started getting nervous. So he started ringing up a tab. Have Amr lay, chad kasit de chamra, asara polrin. One bottle of wine. That's ten silver pieces. V'chad litra de kupar, and you also had a nice steak. That's also yud polar, and that's also ten pieces of silver. 
Chad Igal Derifta, you had a nice loaf of bread. Yod Polrin, also 10 pieces of silver. So the tab was very, very expensive. He really, you know, showed them like a, an eye-popping tab. And they got sticker shock. So man, and they said, well, why, why is it so expensive? This is ridiculous. We never saw such prices. So he said, man yavla chamra b'midbara. Kub b'midbara, yugulad b'midbara. Well, you, where, where are you going to get in the desert such wine? Where are you going to get in the desert such meat? You're going to get a steak anywhere else in the desert? You're not in midtown Manhattan. You're not in, uh, in Teaneck. Where are you going to get such food? You're, gonna, you're in the middle of a midbar. If you're in the middle of a midbar, you know, it's, we, we charge a premium for that. And the kasher and the medrash ends and says, and when the archim felt that pressure, they didn't want to have to give over all that money to him. A lot of them said, Baruch Kelalyin. They talk a bench because they had really no other choice but to do so. Just as an aside, this medrash, I think, explains a very uh, perplexing Targum Unculus. If you look in the Targum Unculus at the beginning of Parshas Lech that we had last week, so, it says that Avram Avinu made nefashres in Charon. We know Avram was Megayer, the, the men, and Sar was Megayer, the Noshim, the women. If you look in the Targum over there, it says something like, V'yas those souls that he sort of forced upon them the Torah. He imposed upon them that they should be Makabal the Torah. It seems like there was some like coercion. He was Meshabi them. He didn't just like talk them into it. He almost uh, he, he coerced them into being Makabal on themselves. Yadus. It's a very strange message, but I think this explains it, this Medrash, because, explains this Targum, because what the Targum is basic, what the Medrash is teaching us is that Avram Avinu almost strong-armed people into being makabal on themselves, Yadus, you're going to bench, you're going to makabal on yourself, the Shechina, you're going to thank the Rabbi Nishalem, why? Because if you don't, you're going to get hit by a very big bill. They owed him something, and in repayment for what they owed him, they had to, they had no choice but to be makabal on themselves, the Shechina. That's just a, an aside, a parenthetic um, point that I wanted to make on this Medrash. But a more direct problem that we have from this Medrash and that the Mepharshim and the, on the Medrash speak about, if you look in the Feitayar and others, they're bothered by something that might have bothered us as well. How did Avram Avinu pull this off halachically? What's the problem? I mean, presumably, Avram Avinu was inviting them in as guests. He wasn't necessarily inviting them in as, a, as like an innkeeper. It seems from the way we were brought up as children, at least, in, in, in yeshiva, that he had this open tent, and he brought in from, uh, from all sides, he brought in Archem, and it was very clear that he was a machnes erech. This was, uh, so imagine if I would invite you to my house for Shabbos, and then after Shabbos is over, you get an email, and the email gives you an itemized tab of all the food that you ate. Well, you had, I saw you had the, the wine, you had a little cholent, and uh, you had the, the chopped liver, and you had the dessert. 
and all of a sudden your bill comes to $150. I think we would be a little surprised. But besides for being surprised, we could go to a Rav, a Paisik, a Dayan, and say, do I owe this guy the money? This is ridiculous. This was a complete Mekachtais. He completely hoodwinked us. We thought we were coming in as guests, and now he's, he's charging us money for this meal. We were guests. And yet we see that Avram Avinu seems to get away with this. Avram Avinu, without any warning, you know, says you have to bench. If you don't bench, here's your bill. What do you mean here's your bill? I thought we were coming as guests. Where did Avram Avinu indicate to them that they were anything other than guests, that later on he had the right to give them a bill? That's the question that the Medrash uh, is, uh, that the Mefarshim on the Medrash are bothered by Ayin Shum. What I wanted to suggest in light of this question that we had at the beginning of this shir about the Echa Paslechem and the Chasam Sefer asked, what's Avram Avinu saying to them? The Echa Paslechem and I will take a Paslechem. Shouldn't he say, and I will give you a Paslechem? What is the lesson of the Echa? The Chasam Sefer says a nice pshat that it was like the Gemara in Kedushin. Sometimes when you're giving something to somebody, if they're chashav, it's like taking, so he used that to like flatter them, to compliment them, that you're so chashav, that it's like, a, it's like I'm taking when you're receiving from me. Perhaps a different shot is, what Avram Avinu is saying is, that I'm going to take from you something for this bread. There's going to be, at the end of the meal, we're going we're gonna to sort this out, one way or another. Meaning, Avram Avinu was not just you know, Stam inviting them in, Batiris guests, and, and saying, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you that, indicating that it was for free. But there was a heads up that Avram Avinu was warning them about that there might be something that I'm going to ask you at the end. I'm going to take something from you at the end, and that's to be discussed later. And they, they ate, knowing that there might be some something owed to them. And at the end, they had this discussion. They weren't happy with the amount of the bill. That raised their eyebrow, you know, like, how come you're charging me so much for a steak, so much for the wine, so much for the bread? And Avram Avinu had to explain, well, this is the desert, so there's a premium. But other than that, they weren't necessarily shocked by the fact that there was money owed to Avram Avinu. Perhaps because he said, they were aware of the fact that he was going to charge them for this meal. And that's what I wanted to suggest in this explanation of this verb of the echa instead of the etin. Now, you might still not like this pshat, and I know why you don't like this pshat, because this is still not exactly Avram Avinu Dick. Does it, is this really picture, is this the picture that we want to paint of Avram Avinu? Avram Avinu would invite guests in his house, and regardless of his cheshman at the end about benching and coercion and all of that, but is it hachnasas archim to tell guests that I will take something from you at the end of the meal? Would that be normal? Is that a normal thing? Is that is Avram Avinu is the paragon of hachnasas archim, and we're learning so much from Avram Avinu in these parshias? Is that the impression that we want to be, you know, take away? It's a nice pshat. 
but do we have to like utterly, uh, you know, in order to say a nice chat, do we have to, you know, really like ruin our image of Avram Avinu? Is that necessary? Is this uh, like a, a scorched earth policy in order to, in order to answer uh, the Chassam Sefer's um, kasha on this word? And what I'd like to submit to you is that this is the Spitz Hachnasus Archen. This is the highest madrega of Achnasus Archem that Avraham Avinu did with the Malachim by saying the Echa Paslachem. What do I mean? There's a Misa that's brought about the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim was also, by the way, known as a tremendous Achnasus Machnas Eirach. There's a story that's told, a great story that uh, uh, there was once a, a young man that came. I think he might have been related to the Chavetz Chaim, and the Chavetz Chaim um, invited him into his house, and he came on Erev Shabbos, and uh, they gave him the guest room, or they put him in a bed, and he was sleeping, and then he woke up, and he came out, and uh, the Chavetz Chaim was waiting for him, uh, and they started singing Shalom Aleichem, and he thought it was like a regular Friday night, and he missed davening. Chavetz Chaim didn't want to wake him, so um, he davened Kabbalah Shabbos and Mayrev, and then he started eating, and the Chavetz Chaim, you know, made Kiddush, and uh, they benched, and had the whole meal. And then he came back to the room, to his guest room, and he noticed on the clock in the room that it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. That was very bizarre. He thought maybe the clock was broken, it was slow, fast, whatever, but... In the end, the next day, he woke up and he asked the Rebetzin, this young man, what's going on? She said, well, what happened was that you fell asleep, you were sleeping, you were tired from the journey, the Chavetz Chaim didn't have the heart to wake you. He made Kiddush and he ate and uh, we all had a Suda and then he waited up for you until you naturally woke up and he then pretended as if it was the first time that he was eating the Suda and he, he didn't want you to feel bad. So it was like three o'clock in the morning, but he made, he simulated a brand new Suda just for you. The Chavetz Chaim was a master at Achnas Hazarchem. So there was once a, a well-to-do person who came to the Chavetz Chaim for, a, uh, for Shabbos. And he came to the Chavetz Chaim and before Shabbos started, he said to the Chavetz Chaim, Rebbe, I, I appreciate that you're inviting me for Shabbos, but I don't want to take anything for free. I want to pay for whatever. I know that you know money is tight here, and I don't want to take your challah and your chicken and your fish and whatever. I want to pay it, pay, pay for it. And he actually gave the Chavitz Chaim money before Shabbos. He gave him, I don't know, $200, the equivalent of $200, and and the whole Shabbos, they had a beautiful Shabbos, and this Kavir was eating nicely and drinking wine and feeling like a mensch. At the end of Shabbos, he was uh, packing up his bags and getting ready to leave. The Chavetz Chaim is malava him out the door. And the Chavetz Chaim gives him back the money. He says, Rebbe, I don't want to take back the money. He says, I gave you this before Shabbos. This is what I wanted. I wanted to pay you for all that. He says, no. He says, I insist. I never took the money uh, with any any intent to keep it. So he says, if that's the case, he asked the Chavetz Chaim, so why'd you take it? Why didn't you just refuse it? He says, because I knew that if I don't take the money from you, you're going to feel very uh, bad about enjoying Shabbos. You're not going to have any Shabbos. 
So you're going to take a little cholent and a little chicken and a little kugel and you're not going to feel barafkas. You're not going to feel like a, like a mensch. You're not going to feel at home. So by me taking the money from you, I was actually allowing you to enjoy Shabbos, but that was never my intent. I always wanted to give you back the money. I never wanted to take the money, but the money was a way to enable you to really feel at home. There's a similar story that's told, by the way, uh, about Rabbi Yisuf Chaim Zonenfeld. I found a similar Maisa, which I'm not going to go into. Then there's another famous story that's told about Rabbi Yisuf Kron's father, Al Vasham. Rabbi Yisuf Kron's father was also a Mayel, and they were very close to Rabbi Shalom Shvadron, the famous Maggid of Yerushalayim. And how did they get so close? Well, Rabbi Shalom was coming to America for many months to do whatever he needed to do here. Rabbi Kron Sr. Uh, was, was, wanted him to stay in his house in Kew Gardens. So he found him when he came off the boat from Eretz Yisrael, and he insisted that he stay by him. And he says, well, I have to be here not just for a, a few days, it's going to be a long time. He says, we know, we have a special room set up for you, and in the room you have a bed, you have svarim, you have a desk to write on, and you have a telephone to use, and Bako Miko calls. He says, okay, but, uh, you know, I want to pay you for it. He says, okay, no problem. He says, it's $100 a, a month rent, which sounds cheap today, but then it was like already... It was a, 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 you know, a very expensive sort of uh, arrangement. Roshalm was a little bit surprised, but he's, he, he wanted to stay here. He felt that it was a Tyredika home. It was a good environment for him to be in. And he agreed. So, and they had a wonderful time together. They got very close. Their face of Kron got very close to them and the, well, the whole family. And uh, then there was another big rub that also stayed in the house at the same time, Rabbi Grossman. And then... When the six months or so were, were over and Rabbi Shalom was heading back to Eretz Yisrael, so again, uh, Rabbi Kron escorted Rabbi Shalom to the, uh, to the boat, to the ship, and he gave him an envelope, and in the envelope were all of those $100 bills of the rent that he gave him, the exact bills, he didn't spend it, he just put it in an envelope, and then he returned it to him um, after all of those months were up. And Rip Shalom said, what's going on over there? Why would you, uh, you know, I, I gave you the money and this was, uh, you know, it was expensive for me. It wasn't easy for me to, to come up with the money, but you I asked for it and I gave it to you. Why in the world are you now, uh, you know, giving it back to me? So he said, I never intend, he said, I never intended to take your money. So he says, so why did you ask me for it? He says, because I wanted you to, feel completely at home. I wanted you to use the telephone like you were the balabas of that telephone and sleep in your bed and enjoy it and eat the meals and go into the refrigerator and at, at the wee hours in the night. If you were not paying me, you would feel awful about doing all of that. By taking the money from you, that was really an act itself of achnasas archem because it enabled you to feel good about yourself. I just wanted to add a little... Nice var to that, a remez to this Yisait in Achnasas Archem. There is a Mishnah in Pirkei Avis that says about Achnasas Archem, you beischa pesucha l'revacha. Your house should be open to guests, l'revacha, wide open, like revach. 
But the word revacha also implies, a revach could mean wide, but the word revach also means, of course, prophet. So perhaps there's an allusion to what we're saying in this Mishnah, that a proper way of going about Achnas is to have your house open, pretend that you're profiting from the experience. Let the guests believe that you're, it's not a freebie, that you're actually paying for it, you're giving something for it. And because of that, it enables the person to feel like a mensch. Maybe that's where the minig developed, uh, you know, that when you go to somebody's house for a suda, you bring a, you bring a matanya, you bring a present, a bottle of wine, a candy dish. Where did that come from? Maybe it's part of that. Like, you know, you want to have the person feel that they're giving something. Oh, they don't want to just take. The guests should feel like they, they're contributing to the meal. They're giving something, and therefore they're able to feel a little bit more comfortable when they're sitting at the table. They don't feel like schnarrs. They don't feel like people that are just on the take, but they're also, they gave something for it. And so what I was thinking is that Avraham Avinu, by saying at the onset of this encounter with, the, with his Archem, va'echa paslechem, don't think that this is a freebie. I'm going to take something from you at the end. He accomplished two things. He accomplished, first of all, that later on he was going to be able to really coerce them to bench to the Rabbanishim, which was really a major intent of his. But at the same time, he was performing the ultimate act of Achnaz Because by saying that there will be a price to be paid at the end, and we'll discuss that later, he was actually making them feel, ironically, at home. He wasn't making them feel that this is something that, uh, this is, uh, you know, not nice. He's, uh, we're guests in his house and he's charging us, he's telling us, he's alluding to the fact that he's going to take for this paslachem. No, he actually is doing a chesed by saying, but ech, I want to take from you. That makes the guests feel someone at home. It makes them feel comfortable in the house of the, of the host. And perhaps that's why the angel said to this, Cain Tasek Asher Dibarto, we are gonna agree, we are agreeing fully to what you just what you suggested. You said that you're going to to charge, and we're very agreeable to that. We'll discuss that later. And not only are we agree amenable to it, but we're actually happy about that. Because what a, a guest really wants is to feel that he's somewhat giving back to the host. He doesn't want to feel that he's just on the receiving end of things, but he also wants to feel that he's giving. I wanted to take a, a Musar Haskell from this to our daily lives. This is true of Achnas and there's definitely a lot that we've learned already about the mitzvah Achnas from the from the Chassam Seifer's Pshat, you have to make the guests feel that they're so important that they're actually doing you a favor by receiving the food. We learned that Avram Avinu used Achnas uh in order to make them be aware of the Rabbi Nishlam who gave them their food and made them bench from that experience that Avram Avinu said in order to give them a heads up halachically that there will be a din, there will be a cheshpen to be to be settled at the end of the meal so that they weren't completely unaware that there was going to be a, a hischayvus of mammon. And finally, the fact that Avram Avinu was actually doing the ultimate act of Achnas Archim by telling them this. And it shouldn't affect our image of Avram Avinu that he's actually looking to profit from them 
but that the looking to profit or that that allusion to the fact that I'm going to profit actually makes the experience more enjoyable on a certain level for the guests. So we've learned a lot about the mitzvah of so far, and I just want to end off with a daily musr that we could take from into our own personal lives. You know, we're all guests in this world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu invites us into this world, and this world is a beautiful, beautiful world. It's a world that has so much in it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu provides for us. If we have open eyes, we're able to observe the beauty of the Rabbani Shalom's world that he created for us to live in. And he invited us into a beautiful world. You know, there's a, a story that's told about Rabbi Shal Salanter. Rabbi Shal Salanter was once in Paris on one of his journeys. He used to go a lot uh, on different missions and on journeys around the world, around Europe. And he found himself in a very, very, like a five-star hotel in Paris. And this is like the Spitz, Spitz Hotel, like it had, uh, you know, white glove waiter service and beautiful lawns, uh, manicured hedges and, and roses in the garden that you were able to look through the window and see as you were eating in the restaurant, eating in the, in the, in, in the, in the lobby. And there was beautiful uh, music playing in this hotel. And it was Bako Miko the most beautiful crystal glasses in China. Rabbi Sosalander sits down in the lobby and the waiter comes over and says, uh, Sir, are we able to bring you something? He says, Yes, I'd like a, a glass of water. So a few minutes later, the waiter comes back with his white gloves on and his tuxedo and brings Rabbi Sosalander in a crystal glass, a bottle of water. He pours it so elegantly. And then Rabbi Sal Salander is sitting there and enjoying the experience and watching, looking outside this big picture window at the beautiful grounds that this hotel boasted and, and at all the beautiful carpets and drapes and music and Bako Mikol Kol of this fancy hotel had. And at the end, you know, he was uh, about to leave and the waiter comes over and says, and here is your bill, sir. So Bissel Sander looks at the bill and he almost chalishes, he almost faints because the bill came out to, I don't know, $30 or something, let's say, for a glass of water. And he says, uh, he calls back the waiter and he said to the waiter, there must be some mistake. All I had was a glass of water. Why are you charging me $30 for a glass of water? So the waiter laughs and the waiter says, sir, you're not just paying for the glass of water. The water itself is negligible. It's nothing. What we're charging you for is the total ambiance that this fine luxury five-star hotel is providing for you as you're drinking this glass of water. You're not just getting a glass of water. Your eyes are tasting of all of the beauty of the interior of the hotel, all the beautiful couches and the Kalem Mikalem Shinim and all of the, the drapes and the wallpaper and the and the, the ceiling, the gilded ceiling. And your ears are partaking of the beautiful string quartet that's playing music. And all of the 
the lawns outside and, and, and all of the, the white glove service and the crystal glass that you drank out of, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for the entire experience. Don't think you're just paying for that water. Rabbi Yisrael Santer paid the bill and he was happy to do so. You know why? Because he took the ultimate Musar Vart from this, a Vart that he would share with the world. And if you look in many Musar Svarim, it's brought down from Rabbi Yisrael Santer this Vart. Rabbi Rucham Lovavitz writes it in a Sefer, one of his Musar Svarim, he brings down this. The Mikhtam Elio speaks about it. All of the major contemporary Musar Svarim, Kemat, bring down this Vart. It's always called Ha'olam, Malon Yakarhu. This world is a very expensive hotel because this is what Rabbi Salsalante took from it. Rabbi Salsalante said, Aha, now I understand why when we drink a glass of water, we make a bracha. It's a little strange, the bracha that we make on a glass of water. We should make a bracha, you know, just like we make Hamaitzi Lechem in our earth. We should say Hamaitzi Mayim in our tap. Hamaitzi Mayim in our Say something like that, or, you know, you, you, you don't like it because maybe we do it with potato chips. Figure, you know, shako, we'll make a shako on candy and on bubble gum and on, uh, on, on apple juice. All right, so find the bracha, you know, uh, uh, that we make on liquids. What does it mean, what does it mean, shako that everything happens by the word of Hashem? He says, when I drink a glass of water, I'm not just blessing HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the glass of water. I'm blessing HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the entire experience, the surround sound, all of the, the fact that I have air to breathe, the fact that my body is able to take in the water, to digest the water, to take out the water when it's done, the fact that I'm able to see the water, that my, I have eyesight, I have the ability to hear as the water is, uh, is being poured into the glass. I have the ability to enjoy the entire world. This world is a very expensive hotel. And you're blessing HaKadosh Baruch Hu not just for the glass of water, not just for the glass of apple juice, but for Shakomni Abdavari, for the trees that made the apple and that was able to be produced into this delicious apple juice for all of the things that go into this world, this very, very expensive world that we're living in, because there's great beauty in this world. There's great beauty in this world. If you look around the world and you see certain, uh, certain experiences that you have, if you go out and you have the right, you have a musardika pair of eyes, you're not just going to go out today after the shmuz is over and, and, and just walk to the to the dorm or go home for Shabbos or whatever it is that you're going to do. You go outside and you feel that the, 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 the temperature is beautiful today. You could go out without a coat. The sun is shining. There's grass on the ground. There's flowers, perhaps. There's trees. There is foliage to be seen. The air is pure and the air is, is, is nice and it's, it's delicious. Baruch Hashem, we have so much around us. We have the ability to see everything and to hear the sounds of nature and to enjoy it and to have feet to walk on the ground. There's so much in this expensive hotel. It's a beautiful hotel that the world is. But you have to have eyes to appreciate it. And you have to say, Takarish I owe you a lot. Shahakal Niabdvari, everything. All of this entire experience, I owe you. 
And as Avram Avinu charged the Malachim, and in the end, more often than not, the, the bill was what? Not the money, but the bill was to make a bracha. All HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us as well, as his guests, is just to make brachas. And when we make a bracha, to appreciate what it is that we're really paying for. We're not just paying for the actual water that we're drinking, or the donut that we're eating, or the steak, or the... Uh, we're, we're, we're praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu for actually creating this world for us to enjoy. And so we're guests in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's home. The Ekha Paslechem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, there's a fee. I'm going to charge you for eating. Until now, the food is all mine. You want to get the food for yourself, you have to pay me. What's the payment that we give HaKadosh Baruch Hu? We bless him. The Gemara says in Brachas and in Shabbos, the Gemara says that before you make a bracha, after you make a bracha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, it's yours. Baruch Nasim of Adam. Tysus says, by the way, Tysus brings it, this is where the minute comes, that when people used to set the table for a meal, they would say, Lashem before, as they said it, because they wanted to be cognizant of the fact that it's not mine yet. All of the, we're still eating from the Rabbanishlam. Baruch Kelelian Shacham Mishalai, it's his. But once you bench, then it's Varas Nasan of Neyadma. Baruch Hu gives you the food, but the payment for the food is the appreciation that Akadosh Baruch Hu made it, produced it, and then gave it to us to enjoy. The payment for that enjoyment is simply making a bracha to the Rabbi Nishalim, acknowledging Hakar Satayev to the Rabbi Nishalim. And by doing so, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like Avram Avinu, accomplishes not only the fact that he's making us aware that there's a charge for everything in this expensive hotel, so we're not surprised, but also he's allowing us to feel more comfortable in his world. Because we understand that when we pay him something, when we give him a bracha, when we bench with kavana, we make brachas with kavana, and we're giving HaKadosh Baruch Hu what he needs and what he wants and what he demands and what he deserves, we're actually earning the food. We're earning, we're not, we're not now, we're, we're no longer, we're not taking anything from him. We're actually giving back something to him so that we could feel good about ourselves. It's not what is known in the Svarim as Nama de Kisufa. Nama de Kisufa means bread of embarrassment. It's very uh, embarrassing to take bread that you didn't actually earn. But when a person actually could pay for it in some form, you feel good about yourself. You feel like, okay, at least I did something to earn the keep, to earn the food, to earn the experience of this world. I'm paying HaKadosh Baruch for it through the bracha that I make. It's a small price to pay. It doesn't cost anything monetarily. But it means so much when we're able to have kavana and to acknowledge to the Rabbi Shalom, you created this world, you feed the entire world, you sustain the entire world, with your mercy. And that's a tremendous bracha to make. You know, the, it's brought in the, in the Chinuch that when a person benches, 
that's a skula that he will always have food. You know, it's, it's, these are scary times. You don't know what, what happens from one day to the next. And a person always wants food. A person needs food. What's the guarantee that you'll have food? If you thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the food that I gave you, that guarantees us to know ourselves that we will have food going forward. It's a small price to pay that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is expecting us to, to give him, but it's so worth it. Not just to mumble it and to, you know, spit it out quickly, but to think about it and to have kavana, the bracha rishayna and the bracha achreina and the benching, all of this is the payment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects. And not only that, he expects it, but just like the Chavetz Chaim, at the end of the stay, what did he do? He gave back the money to the person. HaKadosh Baruch Hu incredibly gives us schar, lasid lave, for all of the brachas that we gave him, we actually get schar for that. So what we give him in this world, at the beginning of our meals, HaKadosh Baruch Hu pays us back at the end, and we're going to say, well, what, what do you do? You know, we, we agreed that we would pay this. No, no, no. I wanted you to bench me so that you should feel comfortable eating everything and enjoying this expensive world, which, this expensive hotel, which is this world. I wanted you to feel good about yourself. I wanted you to feel that you have a chalik in this world, that you're a shtickle bus in this world, that the food is yours. You're not stealing it from me. So I allowed you to make a bracha for me. That was a schus that I gave you so that you feel good, but at the end, I'm giving you back all of that payment. I'm going to give you schar. So look at how benevolent HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. He invites us into his home, into this world. He says, I'm asking you for something, and that is to make a bracha on the food so that you acknowledge that I gave it to you and you acknowledge that there's a Rabbi Nishlam in the world. And then at the end of our stay in this world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives it all back. He takes out the envelope and he says, all of that payment that you gave me, I'm going to give you back. You get tremendous schar in Eilam Haba for all the mitzvahs that you do, including all the brachas that you make, all the birchas hamazans that you recite every time that you acknowledge the Rabbi Nishalem in nature. When you say, All of these brachas on nature that we make is a mitzvah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us back all of the schar for that. He allows us to feel good as a guest, that we don't feel benevolent, that, that we're on, on, the, on the end of his, uh, you know, of his benevolence. We don't feel that we are takers. He allows us to feel like we're giving back. And then at the end of our stay, he actually returns to us everything that we gave him in the form of schar. This is, a, a, I think, a tremendous yisai that we're learning here today. And Mirza Hashem, Mirza Hashem, if we have kavana every day with our brachas, we make mea brachas b'chal yayim, David HaMelech, there was a magifa in the time of David HaMelech, and David HaMelech was misakin then to say a hundred brachas every day. There's an allusion to that, in the Pasuk, Ma Hashem Lekecha Shalmei Ma Elameya, all HaKadosh Baruch Hu really asks of us, a simple payment, to make a hundred brachas b'chal yayim. Some people are very into this mitzvah. I have a close friend 
who he know if you stop him on the street at any time in the day and you ask him where are you holding in terms of brachas, he'll tell you seventy eight brachas, thirty five brachas. He knows exactly, and he has to know you know on on days that it's harder to make brachas. Uh, you know, Shabbos, Yom Kippur, he worries about how he's going to be able to be mashim lemei brachas. And they say about Big Gedalim, Rav Steinemann was very, very makbed, and he always, people make a cheshman. If we're living in times of a magefa today, which we are, these were just last night, I, I think was the, they announced that it was, there was over 100,000 new cases in one day of COVID. It's a, it's a tremendous magifa. It's not getting better. It's not going away. It's getting worse. Hopefully, Mitz Hashem, there'll be a cure to it. HaKadosh Baruch will, will blow a wind and it will go away. HaKadosh Baruch is a kol yachol. He can do anything that he wants. But in terms of what we could do, we have to, in a time of a magifa, if you want the magifa to, if you want to be spared from the, from the, the travails of a magifa, you have to say mea brachas. But not just say mei We might all say mei But we, as they say in the yeshiva world, we daven them up. We just say them, but we don't have real kavana. When we're speaking about when we're speaking about mei it means mei mamish, like to really experience the hundred brachas, to be able to live the hundred brachas. And we say not just to, you know, say it as, we're, as the, the snapple is halfway down our throat, we're, we're still, you know, the, the bracha is still being uttered. But you have to actually stop and think about what you're doing, what we're saying. Shakol niyabdavar. You gave us not just the, the snapple, you're giving us the whole world around the snapple. The sun and the, and the moon and the stars and the grass and the house and the heat and the air conditioning. Everything you gave us. And when we have kavana, we train our minds and our hearts to have kavana a hundred times a day. That's a tremendous defense system against the Magefa, against this terrible, terrible plague that is pandemic that's spreading throughout the world so rapidly. To appreciate the beautiful hotel that we're in, this five-star hotel which is called Our World, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it with all its beauty, with all its color, with all its tastes, with all its tremendous complexities for us to enjoy. Lehanes ben b'nei adam in order for us to enjoy every single day the experience, but it's only a true experience. We're only truly living in this world if we pay the bill of this world. And the bill that HaKadosh Baruch Hu charges for all of this expensive ambiance of planet Earth is just merely to make brachas with kavana. It's Hashem, we should do that. We should be spared from the Magefa. We should have a wonderful Shabbos. And in Mitzah Hashem, we should all have Rufuis and Yeshuais and Nechames. Amen, Amen.